This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker Spine and Orthopedic Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Mark Schwartz, CEO of Blue Ridge Orthopedic and Spine Center in Warrington in Gainesville, Virginia. Mark, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, I know we'll talk a lot about some of the different things that you're doing at Blue Ridge and, and really the big trends in orthopedic and spine field and practices today. But before we dive into those questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Sure, I'd be happy to. My undergraduate work was at uh, Dickinson College in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. I attended graduate school in uh, Chippensburg Univers- uh, University. While in the undergraduate and graduate uh, school, I uh, interned also at the United States uh, Army War College. And following that, I served in the United States Marine Corps and served on active duty in Operation Desert Shield, Desert uh, Storm. Uh, I served in the reserves as a, as a sergeant. In terms of career journey, I worked for an insurance company early in my career. worked also in a medical supply company and in healthcare administration, both in private practice and with the healthcare system as well. I was fortunate to join Blue Ridge Orthopedic and Spine Center during the COVID time frame in uh, past November. We operate in an office-based environment. We have two operative rooms, one procedure room, and we have basically covered the gamut as it relates to orthopedic surgery, uh, foot and, and ankle podiatry procedures, as well as pain management. Well, fascinating. What a time to join a practice during the pandemic. What was that like to jump in and have all these unique challenges coming your way? I think I was fortunate that it was a very good family-centered organization, and I've always felt very strongly in terms of teams. Uh, folks have here, been here for 20-plus years and have endured a, and seen a lot of change, and so I was uh, I felt good about the opportunity and transition and working with uh, such a great staff and, and group of providers. I think from a, a communication, I certainly think we've seen and still continue to see a lot of changes as it relates to COVID and have a adopted through that process and looking to, uh, to ensure that, you know, we, we maintain patient safety, staff safety, and, and so forth. That's great to hear. Now, what are your top priorities today? I know at the moment, you know, we've gone through obviously 18 plus months of the pandemic and COVID-19 is surging in many places across the country with the variant and, and other issues. What are your top priorities right now? And what are you thinking about when you're looking at the strategic placement of uh, Blue Ridge today? Well, thank you. I think you're right. I think COVID still is an area uh, of concern. I mentioned that we look to keep that and patients safe, and um, we're kind of very proud that we've had uh, zero infections in our in our operative facility for over three years. So, it, really, a testament to our team. I think the navigating through this uncertain environment in healthcare, as you mentioned, both the COVID epidemic has impacted really the entire healthcare system. I see the, you know, ambulatory surgical centers and operative centers in general as an important safety valve to allow for allergical elective surgical care. And so that's one of the things that we are focused on with our staff. I think the, in terms of COVID, as you mentioned, is one. The other thing is the uncertainty as it relates to CMS. I think Beckers has done a good job in covering some of that, but with the changes from going from outpatient to inpatient was surprising. And as folks were thinking about moving and investing in terms of uh, things that were approved for outpatient, uh, that now are seeming to inpatient seems to be a disconnect as we've 
kind of thought that everything was moving more to an outpatient basis, which also CMS has said at the same time. So I think that's an area that we just continue to monitor in terms of that uncertainty, but it does impact us as we as we look forward to understand where to invest in terms of opportunities. I think the other thing that we look to do is to seek to ensure our reimbursement for payers, either for cost or for reimbursement for the implants directly, allows for growth uh, in our surgical volumes. We feel like that should align both the, the payer and the patient and, and provide an incentive. It's not always been the case, though, where uh, costs for implants sometimes uh, exceed uh, the cost of or reimbursement for those. So that that's something that we're looking at closely. And then I think we're we're also looking about the opportunity to continue to serve our communities uh, that we serve and in particular the Fauquier County and ensuring uh, access for the Medicare enrollees in the county and what does that look like given that there's no um, ASC opportunity uh, for those folks who are often transportation challenged uh, to get care in our local area. Got it. That's a lot to think about. And I know, you know, when you talked about CMS, obviously updating their policies and really making a difference in terms of how you're thinking about what you can build out to in the future and and what you can trust that will be there and have reimbursements. Um, And then, as you mentioned as well, being able to serve the Medicare enrollees in your community and, and not having that ASC that you would need. How are you thinking about that? How does that play into your growth plans for the future? I think in our particular state, uh, it requires a CON, a certificate of need. So the question is, is, you know, what does that look like for us in terms of that? And does it make sense to do that in this uncertain environment? Yeah, I can imagine there are a lot of different factors that you have to consider and things that you have to work through in order to get to that point, even to, to put in the CON. Yes. And you need to have the support of communities and providers typically to achieve that. Got it. Well, are there any other ways that you're thinking about growth for Blue Ridge Orthopedic and Spine Center going forward? I think, you know, certainly organically, I think certainly as we look at the opportunity as it relates to the implants, as I mentioned previously, those are the things that right now most emerge. I think in terms of technology, we still, you know, monitor that and and see that uh, makes sense for those levels of investment. When you're looking at um, the technology side of things and, and the implants being a higher cost, obviously don't want it to be higher than the cost of the procedure. And that's not sustainable for the surgery center. How do you solve that problem? I guess, is that working with the physicians, working with vendors, what do you really see as being the best way to troubleshoot some of that? Well, I think we, we've looked for clarification uh, and having dialogue also with our payers. If the best result or outcome clinically, and, and especially on the outpatient side and not having, with COVID, people having to come into facilities that are uh, where you have uh, folks that could be compromised, it certainly think makes sense for those types of uh, care to be done at an ASC. It also, with the hospitals, having issues with those staffing and for the surgical areas, uh, we want to be able to play our part and help uh, in that. So I think the, the conversations really what has also been with the payers saying, you know, if you're saying that it's a benefit from a clinical perspective and clinical outcome, and it would reduce the patient cost as well and, and certainly reduce the payer insurance cost, then why wouldn't the insurance company look to ensure that cost of implants uh, is at a level that is sustainable, or, or at least the reimbursement is, if they can't do that. And so that's kind of where the, the conversation begins. But because I think the patients and physicians are very, very supportive of that uh, opportunity as well. That's really great to hear. And hopefully it can get those things ironed out for additional cases to come to the center and, and make the most sense um, from your perspective. 
Now, the last thing I wanted to ask you about is looking at healthcare in general. What are the three most interesting trends that you're following today? I think COVID, uh, I'm not sure if it's the most interesting, but certainly one of the most challenging and also, I guess, the changing messaging surrounding it and trying to keep up with that. I think looking in terms of how it's affecting, you know, in terms of the delivery system um, and also trying to get ahead of that while not hearing about lockdowns currently, I understand if we don't get to herd immunity, we're going to get, we're going to live in an uncertain world as it pertains to this virus and the impact of the patients that we serve, the families and schools for our children and our staff members. So I was hoping like probably everybody that uh, in July we would be in a different place. And obviously that was before the variant emergency. So I'm trying to follow that and the impact of that. The other thing I'm looking at is just in general, which seems to be consistent within the healthcare space, is the consolidation uh, among payers and healthcare systems and the impact on the healthcare delivery system, uh, both for community access for care, where it's being delivered, and and strategic direction. And with that, I'm also looking a little bit on a national level, uh, the impact of changes in healthcare, uh, the increasing cost of medical education, and COVID as a catalyst for provider retirement. And then thinking about what does that look like for provider shortages going in the uh, delivery of healthcare, because I think that's something that we saw prior to COVID was the forecast for shortages of physicians. And I think that only probably has uh, increased or accelerated with, with COVID. Absolutely. I think, you know, that definitely matches what I've heard from other surgery center administrators in terms of looking at, um, you know, what, what the COVID-19 pandemic has done to physicians who are nearing retirement, accelerating some of those decisions, and then really thinking about how to bring in a new pipeline when there's so many uh, physicians that are leaving the independent arena, if that makes sense. And so is that something you're seeing as well in Virginia? I'm seeing that um, in Virginia, but I'm also seeing that greater. I think it's the whole delivery system. If you don't have the primary cares and the uh, urgent cares and, and those facilities and having enough staffing in those areas. And then obviously, you know, we're seeing shortages in critical areas in a national level, uh, whether it's anesthesia uh, and other providers that affect the ability to deliver care. Those are the things I'm concerned about. And then, you know, what does it look like for people coming into the healthcare as providers? And I think right now the, the costs are having only increasing both for people going into medical school and that has a, has a play. When you mentioned the hospitals and independence in terms of uh, physicians, you know, I think the hospitals have been able to, you know, have a margin. And as hospital margins get challenging and they, they're typically taking a loss on the physician side. So I'm not sure that really is a sustainable model uh, going forward unless there's other changes within the pipeline in terms of physicians coming into the field, reimbursements and just the way that we deliver care, if that makes sense. Absolutely. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. This has been a really fantastic discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity.